You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 236 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and I've got a little treat for you, and she comes from Hollywood acting royalty. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. You are my comic relief today. <laughs> comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> you are. We're kind of like, uh, this is this is like a serious uh, episode we have here, so. No, it's not serious. You don't think so? Kansas, uh, our first guest, is lovely. Yes. She is lovely. I can't wait for everybody to hear about her amazing uh, career as yeah, a trick yeah. rider. She has some really interesting insight because I really know pretty much nothing about trick riding. And she has some lovely, interesting insight on how trick riding at its very essence is so different from more common tr- uh, I mean, disciplines mm-hmm. and yet also requires the same level of discipline and skill and practice, but it's, it's such a different, and I never, she gives, gives a really interesting global view of what the trick riding that she does is. And also some of the really interesting non-riding stuff that she's involved with that, that is helping people. So I think, yeah, I think today's episode really looks at the, the big picture of why it's important for horses to be in our lives. Yeah. 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 yeah, she and she's doing so much. It makes me feel like I'm standing still. You, you feel a little bit like a slacker <laughs> hanging out with Kansas. She's amazing. Yes. She's amazing. And we also have Dr. Roos back too. I'm excited to have her yeah, back. Yeah, I'm gonna. You're gonna. But you're gonna have a moment in today's show. Forewarning here. There's yep. gonna be a moment in today's show. You're gonna fall asleep. That you might fall asleep <laughs> in a, in the best possible way. <laughs> That's exactly on purpose. On purpose. So let's get right to our first guest, but we're not going to do that until after we hear from our title sponsor. Our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves, who support us and are our reason for being here, actually have a little innovation that you were telling me about with Nigel. Yes, Nigel. This was inspired. I was watching some of the videos over on the Hands On Gloves YouTube page. That's cool. Yeah, And it has great ideas for using your hands on gloves if you ever want to spend a little time on YouTube. And who doesn't want to do that? In in the wintertime, Nigel does not get clipped because his hair coat doesn't really get very thick. And he lives out of doors. It's a, it's a very light winter coat. And that's a real struggle in the winter because you want to get deep down into the hair when you dry them off. Because what can happen is you can get rain rot yep. if the top of the hair dries before the skin does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And we've all used towels to dry our horses off. You swipe back and forth, but that's it. It doesn't get to the skin. It only it only dries the top. It does. So you take the old hands-on gloves, which you've got on anyway, because that's what you were using to scrub you your horse. You washed it with, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just grab a towel, toss it on your horse, and you dry the horse using your gloved hand. And those little bumples on the gloves get down between the hairs and dry the skin off. It's awesome. It's awesome. And they love it. I mean, who doesn't like to be snuggled in a blankie? If you give them a good once over with a towel and your hands on glove, then when you do throw the cooler over top, you've you've fluffed up all that hair so that it can allow the moisture from the skin to come up through. If the hair's mushed down flat, it's going to do its job of keeping things just the way they are. So exactly. grab yourself a pair of hands-on gloves from handsongloves.com or your local tack retailer. You can find them everywhere. They everywhere. come in lots of different sizes and colors. Yep. And give it a try for yourself. Kansas Carradine spent a lot of her youth at Riata Ranch one of the only trick-riding schools in the world. She traveled across the U.S. and beyond to countries like Australia, France, Mexico, Spain, and Norway, wearing a cowboy hat and displaying trust and bravery on a fast-running horse. 
It was this unique acrobatic riding career that placed her on under the big top as an elite circus performer and into the pages of Sports Illustrated, Western Horsemen, Cowboys and Indians, and the LA Times. And her roping skills were seen in Disney's Hildago on MTV, ESPN, CBS, and countless sporting events around the world, including the World Equestrian Games, we know those, and Queen Elizabeth Silver Jubilee, and several appearances at Equitana USA, Australia, Equifest, and New Zealand. Although raised in a rodeo arena, Kansas developed her unique style while touring with the critically acclaimed equestrian show Cavalia. Well, welcome, Kansas Carradine, famous person that you are. I'm so happy I got to meet you a couple weeks ago with Dad here at Flag is Up Farms. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Debbie. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, that was a a great opportunity that just kind of um, organically appeared, and I was so happy to meet uh, Monty, of course, and, and you and see the facility as well. That was such a treat. Well, it was a pleasure, and I, I'm glad it was a happy accident because I want to have you back some more too. But um, but more more often, people chase you down because you're traveling all over the world doing wonderful things on on horseback and with horses. And so I wanted to get to know you a little bit. And the the first thing I wanted to touch on though is that you have so many years now of using horses in your um, world, right? Um, and they accept you in a very um, kind way. I, I watched a lot of video of your performances. You're pretty darn good with a rope too, by the way, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Turk roping is not is something you have to spend hours and hours and hours doing. And I can tell that that was something you did probably walking to school. I don't know how you did it, but <laughs> you, you learned a lot. But your horses just seem to be very accepting of everything, uh, audiences around them, but not dull, you know, not um, not dulled to the energy around them. And, and I believe when I watch you perform, whether it's Cavalia or whether it's, um, you know, on a YouTube video that was put together, you, the horse is very much with you and and not um, ex- excited by the audience or anything. It's very much at liberty. And so I wanted to go into that a little bit with you first about your horsemanship. Mm. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah. But you're highlighting something that um, sometimes I end up extracting when I have a conversation with people um, is that, you know, the goal when I'm working with a horse and finding that partnership and that unity um, is not so much in having desensitization so that the horses, you know, are dull to everything or just kind of numbed out because we want them to keep their sensitivity and mm-hmm. be looking out and be aware of things, but to also be um, have that uh, ability in a way to multitask. Um, and I call it sometimes also switching languages. Like they can listen to us oh, wow. and they can hear what is around. Like they can be polylingual. Um, mm. In terms of the freedom, you know, we have this conversation about trick riding. It really is at liberty because basically once you teach, you know, a pattern, um, you're basically not able to be in control of the horse. It's a difference between trick riding and, say, vaulting, where you just, you're also doing gymnastics on horseback. Mm. And that has a beautiful skill and partnership of blending your motion with the motion of of the horse. But trick riding takes it a little bit beyond where your horse is really running full speed at liberty. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have often even your legs on either side. You don't sometimes have your seat. And so you build this relationship that is on trust and understanding. And I believe there's a lot of an energetic connection and component um, that is, is part of that bond that really, you know, you become like a centaur when you're riding a horse, you really yes. make that blend yes. and you allow the horse to have the freedom. I, I explain also, um, in, especially in trick riding, they need to have their head and neck for balance. So they have a natural headset. Sometimes their nose might be a little bit to the outside as their, um, you know, nose to the right as they're tracking to the left. So we can't always have them on a bend because they need to balance for us. And all of those things are very subtle um, intricacies that we, we give the horse the freedom to really care for us. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes they have to counterbalance, yeah. so they need to have the freedom to be able to to put themselves in the position that that is is best. And every horse is built differently, so they all have a little bit subtle nuances. And when we get into the opportunity, whether it's in Cavalia or in other shows, 
a lot of times we're creating something that's totally unique because there isn't really this um, standard of, of show, judge, and competition. Mm-hmm. So we get to um, improvise with the gifts, talents, and uniqueness of each horse and rider. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so something that might be um, different, we can actually use that to our advantage. Um, and I love that aspect because we're really feeling into the present moment Mm-hmm. And seeing like what can we, how can we focus on what's right as opposed to what's wrong? You know, I, I tease that sometimes in different competition models, you have to force a horse to be in a particular, uh, to fit a particular ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's kind of round peg, square hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the beauty of being in the entertainment aspect is a lot of times we are like, well, this horse isn't really suited as a Roman horse, but gosh, they really are great for trick riding or this horse has a funny personality. It's not really going to be um, someone that you'd trust to hang off and tie yourself on at high yeah. speeds, <laughs> but boy, they have a lot of expressive um, personality and they love to join up and they're a great Liberty horse. So Perfect. I think it's, it's a wonderful um, in aspect of, you know, the many disciplines in the horse world where we really get to allow the horse to um, be an individual and mm-hmm. show their their personality. And those individuals uh, often, like Cavalia was a type, right? It wasn't you just you could just pick any horse out of the crowd. You really had a look and a type. Yet within that those breeds, I probably there was Myberians and some different breeds. But within those, did you find all those personalities too? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I'd say yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cool. it's funny because a lot of people won't be able to see the, the subtle nuances. You know, for example, I was talking to my friend, Sylvia Zerbini. She would work with all the Arabians. I think now she'll do Liberty with like 13 Arabians. Yeah. Some people won't even be able to tell them apart. Yeah. But boy, Sylvia can see every little <laughs> unique personality and their special temperaments and the way that they need to think and how they can be introduced to an idea. Yeah. And so um, I think a lot of people are only used to seeing a horse in a particular role. Where we could say maybe a breed that they're used to always saying, well, those quarter horses, they're always working cows. Or, oh, those Iberian, you know, Spanish, Lusitano horses, they're always doing dressage. And then actually, when it comes down to it, we're like, actually, they, they really like to do some other things, too. They really like to do the Liberty, or they end up being great, um, you know, Roman teams as well. Yeah. So we, we're able to, to still give them that, that latitude, I would yeah. say, um, which nice. is unique, and let them kind of go outside of the box, if you will. Yeah. And people still love to watch the performances, don't they? I mean, this is a... This is a world in in fast-paced entertainment, CGI, and all this stuff. But there's nothing like the honesty of a horse and a performance that, um, it, it, I mean, it's just still people flock to to see mm-hmm. that. And I hope mm-hmm. we can get back to that, that post-COVID times. But do you feel like there's, there is still um, a, a journey for that, a pathway for that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine in the, in the, you know, horse stunt world. And we can, especially those who've been around animals and horses, we can kind of see when we switch into CGI and films. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same because when you see a, a real human in partnership with a real animal mm-hmm. doing something that seems superhuman, it is just so magical and it really draws you in. And so you see the connection, you see the effort um, really being at the edge of kind of a real risk perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that just carries so much more gravity. Mm-hmm. It has just a deeper meaning. And when we see that live and we can see things executed, and even if it's not dangerous, but just things that really have a high level of excellence mm-hmm. or partnership and that unity and harmony and all those qualities are present you know, you really feel that. And, it, and I find it so much more impactful. And it's the reason why, you know, when we were touring with Cavalia, there was 2,000 people every night under the big top Gosh. there to see those mm-hmm. horses. Mm-hmm. And that, it becomes such a powerful live experience. So I'm a big fan of the the, the magic of the live entertainment because it also allows those um you know, like the accident, it could say, or surprise moment of me coming onto your farm, onto your ranch. Right. <laughs> um, there's spontaneous moments that can yeah. occur. 
And again, I, I really feel like it's important to preserve the special art that has been cultivated for really millennia of humans and animals um, and humans and horses. But it's not just humans and horses. I've actually been reflecting on this a lot. Um, you mentioned that I travel around. And so this year I was actually in Australia for quite a while. My husband was working on a, on a picture there. And we ended up getting introduced to a beautiful family that has a lot of history in um, working with training, uh, uh, training animals, even exotics, like yeah. the elephants and the big cats. Yeah. And it really made me present to the fact that the animal husbandry and the, the, the animal whisperers of all mm -hmm. species, that's such an art form. Yeah. And it really is... I think in the European model, we think a lot that humans and horses are so intrinsically linked, you know, in the culture and in the history. But in other parts of the world, it was humans and elephants or yeah. humans and camels or humans and yaks, you know. So all of the, um, the magic and the wisdom, you know, somebody like your father, he's such a wisdom keeper because, um, you know, all of that is, is so important, I believe, to preserve. And it's really special when you get to witness it live. Well, and obviously not falling far from the tree, your two daughters, we should say, too, are both involved with horses. And I, I think I can say that fairly. I think they would agree with that. They were here with you, Phoenix and Bodie. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I, I believe they're at least going to be doing some performing uh, in the future. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. What are they thinking these days? They're so smart, <laughs> well, actually, though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Phoenix is going to be so a, like, my a, girls, my, my older daughter is Phoenix. She's um, 17 now. And my younger daughter is Bodhi, and she's almost 14. She'll be 14 in a couple weeks. And both of them were raised on the Cavalia Tour and had, you know, they probably saw the show thousands of times. Yeah. Uh, so they have a different idea also of what is possible with horses. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're starting ground is a, a totally different place than most people. Um, and then they also have this great, you know, awareness of the importance of the relationship, the bond, the communication, the compassion, um, and really that um, subtle qualities that are beyond trying to, um, I would say, just fit into a normal mold. And I just finished actually a training session probably an hour ago, um, working with some brand new horses that have never done any trick riding before with my mm -hmm. daughter. And we've found such a system that works so well because, you know, I find a lot of people can understand horses just treat kids sometimes differently. Mm -hmm. And so when my kids were little, they, I was around a lot of hot horses and they didn't really have a chance to ride. So the best solution that I could find is I would be working horses like long reining them or lunging and things. And I put the kids on and just have them hold on to the rings of the surcingle and just say, okay, sit on. And they would just learn their seat. And um, that was just kind of a way that I could kind of pack them around and give them some time in the saddle. And then over time, I said, okay, well, I'll show you a little bit of, you know, the basic trick riding things. And the, the horses would be able to slowly build weight or bearing weight with the younger um, and smaller, lighter rider than with me getting on. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, this is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. So we kind of developed a system just organically together as a family and we're able to um, kind of implement that anytime that we are starting a new trick course. And we just got done with this training session and my older daughter, Phoenix, was helping me. And she says, Mommy, I still think it's amazing. You know, we come up here, we don't know them at all. And then like 30 minutes, we really get a lot of stuff done. And it's because we have a reliable system and routine, like any, um, you know, horse trainer will will agree yeah. and attest to is you have to have a little bit of a, a game plan mm -hmm. and that reliability. I think that um, the horses feel from the two of us understanding the goal and sending that out again, really energetically and always with um, the same understanding that we never want to add pressure. We always want to kind of take it off and just make the situation very relaxed and very light and very easy to understand Sometimes I say we keep it like simple, stupid, so yeah. that it's so easy yes. that it's almost boring. Like, oh, really? This is all you want me to do? Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the attitude that I, I like for the horses to start to accept um, to continue to move while we bring a leg over and try to stand on the side. Because mm -hmm. often that's obviously they've been trained to 
when the rider loses a little bit of their balance to stop and wait for the rider. And that's great. But then I come in and, and actually give a whole different idea. And so my girls and I, um, one summer, um, Phoenix had come away saying in a six week run of doing clinics or something, I think they said they rode like 22 horses and they were like eight years old, you know? <laughs> so it's been, it's been really fun. Um, and I really enjoy being able to pass on something that is so rare and unique because it is hard to find anybody to teach you anything about um, doing that, that level of um, acrobatic riding on horses. I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, we had mentioned in your bio that you are um, at Riata Ranch, which is very niche. I mean, everything is niche that you do pretty much between trick roping, trick riding, t- um, performance, high high level gymnastic performances, all that. We, you know, most people don't see people in the grocery store every day that do that, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's fascinating to get a little peek into that life, but I'm glad you're so open source about it. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you share so much with so many people, but I think mm-hmm. I, I almost hear you evolving too, in that I know that you have sort of your own style now because starting off in the more rodeo um, arena and um, Western look, but then going to, you know, I, Cavalia has his own style. I don't even know what you you would say about that. Elaine would probably have a, a good, your husband would probably have a better definition of what that would be for us. But anybody who has seen the show, um, and I hope that they can, you can still get DVDs of it. And, and Absolutely, a way to see yeah. It. yeah. And there's always okay. lots of videos on, on and uh, lots of videos YouTube and things. Too, yeah. So to see the, the I know it's not live, but um, to see the fascinating way that those creative minds think like your husband and yourself. So what do you think your style is evolving to? We'll get to what I think you're going to do with horses in the future, but (laughs) what do you think your style is evolving to? Well, um, you know, it's interesting because when I began in the rodeo world, there was no, um, opportunity to develop your own opinion, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I heard a lot of times and I think it was useful and your dad probably came from the same era, this comment where we say, it's not my way, it's the way. Mm-hmm. There's only one way to do something, and this is the right way, and there's a wrong way. And um, being in Cavalia gave me the opportunity to work with a lot of other professionals from around the world mm-hmm. and to see that, gosh, there's a lot of different ways, um, and some of them are really effective. And, uh, for example, you know, there's all kinds of different things you can say to stop a horse. Uh, some people hiss to him. Some people will whistle. Uh, you can say, whoa, there's all kinds of different things. You can train a horse to move away from the whip, or you can use the whip as a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you can stop a horse by pulling on his face, or you can use your breath and use your seat and not mm-hmm. even touch the reins. So yeah. nice. that is one, just one example of, you know, specific technique and how there's lots of different ways to do things. And I think that overarching philosophy of being open-minded is really what um, what started to happen when I was involved in a more international equestrian community. So certain people from Europe have different um, dogmas that they come in with, and the Western riders are coming with other dogmas, and then basically breaking down all of those dogmas and seeing what, what works in the moment, to me, is a sign of mastery. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things that you want to stick with because they're tried, tested, and true, but anybody will say, I mean, in 85 years, I'm sure your father's is still finding horses that surprise him yep, and that allow him to find, um, to use his imagination and to be curious and um, be resourceful. So I think more than a specific style, I'm constantly trying to be aware of where my um, dogma or judgments are prohibiting me from really listening to the moment. Uh-huh. I'm like, what does this horse need right now? Um, but I started out as, um, a kid riding on the beach and then doing a little gym canna. And then I went into the hunter jumper world and learned how to sit up tall, you know, heels down, shoulders back, rein in each hand and jumped a bit. And then I wanted to go into eventing. So I already had kind of a little, I would say a sting in me. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got railroaded into doing a summer camp in the central Valley and was at Rietta ranch And that turned into, as we kind of know and look at my history, the place where I really had my foundational exposure. 
Um, but the hunter jumper world, the English world that I had made me a more well-rounded rider. Um, when I was turning back into sitting on my seat and having more of a cow horse influence or, you know, rank cow horse influence, which is more of what Tom Meyer and Central Valley was exposed to. So all of those kind of, again, being polylingual, learning many different disciplines helps you so much because then you can become adaptable and you can apply the right tool or the right medicine for the right situation. Yeah, good. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm looking. Yeah, I I agree. And I think... um, I think people should copy you. I think people should take inspired by you because the the thing that I see that's so useful is are these disciplines that are coming like Western equitation. Did we talk a little? Mm-hmm. I think we did talk about that when we were with you, you know, that we'd had a show here and also a clinic or two in this just in this last year. And I know it's been around. We've had people on the radio on this show that have uh been at it for 20 years so it's not mm-hmm. a new thing but it's kind of a new thing 20 years in the in this you know multi um decade gosh what's what how old is the horse business i don't know at least <laughs> six thousand years old. Well, Zenophon, at least yeah yeah Zenophon. <laughs> he was writing about it a long time thousand years ago so anything in 20 years developed is is pretty new and um and i think that is from that open-mindedness so i love that you you know, I, and attach that to our industry because sometimes we, mm. we're called a little old fashioned, but we're not necessarily mm-hmm. not if we do it. Um, well, and and I, I just want to say at the same time, we're open-minded and then we can also really respect a lot of these, um, like I said, tried, trust, tested and true um, safety or techniques or mm-hmm. just wisdoms that, that really have a lot of validity. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Grello is a, dressage um, trainer who lives in Canada. He imported a lot of Lusitanos back in the day and really worked under Nuno Oliveira. And so the French classical dressage um, uh, traditions and the Portuguese classical masters, it's really that kind of lineage. And it really is a lineage. Um, And I've learned so much from that kind of historical tradition. And he would often say, a lot of the writing that you have is intuitive or is instinctual. But this is education. Uh, and the distinction there I thought was so beautiful and profound. And this is after I'd done Cavalia and I wanted to go back and improve more on my dressage, which we did a lot of in Cavalia, but um, that we also were doing all these other things, right? Mm-hmm. And so spending time with him to really understand that refinement, that there's instincts that we have that we actually have to override, mm-hmm. that there's intuitions that we have to be able to slow down our reactivity and say, okay, but really where is the balance here? Where is this, this very subtle um, weight distributions that can make so much of a difference? Mm-hmm. That's good. And that does take years sometimes too. And I know um, what I love about the equestrian business too, is that you could have somebody walk on your property that's 25 years old and uh, how many professions can you say this? Like, how long have you been at this uh, horse thing? Oh, 15 years, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they, they started mm-hmm. at 10. Of course they did. Um, mm-hmm. And and I I love that just like learning a language, you do that, you know, it's such an advantage to start young too. So I really feel like if we can encourage the young people to try lots of different things in the in the beginning and, you know, get mm-hmm. them back on the beach, pull those girls off the beach and, and say, <laughs> you're, you're the future of what we're doing. I wanted to ask you about the equine guided education. You're a certified equine guided educator and you are a certified heart math trainer, which I love the heart math concepts too. Um, But you're starting to dedicate part of your life to that as well. And I did a little digging into an organization that you are a part of. And I, I must admit that, um, we can talk about that organization that connected um, because I'd never talked to anybody who had used horse therapy for Alzheimer's. So mm-hmm. I'd love to hear some of this exploration that you're doing in that area. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm really passionate about that. Um, 
back in 2006, when my oldest daughter, Phoenix, was born, um, I obviously took a little bit of a break, um, obviously just to have her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, this trick writing thing, I'm not going to be able to do that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always aware of the spiritual aspects and the energetic connection with horses. And I really started to hear more of the equine therapy was taking off, I, I would say, becoming much more commonplace. Yeah. And so I studied with um, a woman named Arizona, Ar- Ariana Strizzi Mizuchi, and she is in Sonoma County and started the um, Skyhorse uh, certification program with equine guided education. Mm-hmm. And that's basically, there's a lot of different um, distinctions or different facets in that, but it's really being with horses and learning with them and from them. But it also incorporates the entire natural world. Um, So it's really paying attention to the subtle energy of communication. Mm -hmm. It's the first time that I really was able to start to understand that my energy was influencing, not just conceptually, like we say, oh, the horse knows that you're scared, so don't be scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a little bit more going on than even that. Um, And to, to witness over and over again, people having these dramatic shifts, transformations, healings, if you will, um, through those programs, it just, it really blew my mind. And so I had always a desire to, to serve in that way. And when I learned to incorporate that into my, into my training and into the shows that I did, it just became part of my horsemanship as well. And in private coaching, there was a more of a, a component to really unpack um, kind of a little bit more of our psychology so that we can show up better and be clear communicators for our horses. Because most of the time when things have um, problems between horse and rider or horse and handler, it, there's just confusion. Mm-hmm. So that has helped me um, help the partnerships and mm-hmm. improve those relationships. But then, um, you know, fast forward, it's been about almost 15 years that I've been around doing that kind of stuff. And I've heard a lot about its use. We all have great uh, equine therapy product programs that help kids with autism and help veterans and those, you know, getting over trauma or at-risk youth. Those are commonly highlighted. And I was approached um, one time, uh, I guess it was just last year, by a woman from Connected Horse. And she was a program director named Evelyn. And she reached out to me and said, I know you've done a lot of nonprofit and charity work because I've done shows for Humane Society and for the um, Equestrian Aid Foundation and different things like that. And she said, we have an organization. We'd really like to see if you'd help us with some fundraising. And she explained to me these therapeutic programs that are workshops where Alzheimer, uh, those who have been affected with Alzheimer's or dementia mm-hmm. come out not just alone, but with their caregivers and experience these interactions um, with the horse in a group environment. And sometimes people who have lost the power of speech, who've gone nonverbal and may not even remember their loved one's names, Mm -hmm. um, will have moments where everything really kind of comes back Mm -hmm. in the presence of the horse through these interactions. Some lucid moments happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the fact is, for some people, it's actually lasting. So even beyond those interactions, they start speaking full sentences again. They start to remember their loved one's names. There's certain connections that happen, and we might not be able to explain it just now, but they are partnering with um, research institutes to be able to document and start to track and get some evidence-based research to explain a little bit what's happening. Okay. But we, we all know the benefits of being around horses, those right. who are in the horse industry. And what I love is that this is just giving another facet to the many different demographics that horses are right. helping. Absolutely. I, and when I heard about the program, I thought, absolutely anything that you want that I can do to help, you know, I'm on board because cool. to me, this should be front page news. Yeah. I mean, how many people are, we don't even know. I don't think how many people are affected by the aging process. Let's just call it that too. And keeping our brains. I know that I have a lot of horse gals, um, friends that are, you know, 60s, 70s now, and they're not only keeping horses in their lives to keep sharp, but also taking up dancing lessons, taking up, you know, anything that keeps your brain, um, I think, focused outside of our heads um, and, and being able to, whether you can nurture something or whether you just you know, mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. And I'm just so glad to hear. And I'm glad to hear that there'll be some science behind it because there's, it feels like until you have, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm a big science fan anymore. I, 
<laughs> used to be more so. But when they have a, a good science trial behind something, um, I then I'm I'm on board. You know, I'm with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear that yeah. they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and being able to have um, like more subtle instruments now or more precise instruments yeah. can give us you know, other research that we just couldn't do 50 years ago. So I think it's a very exciting time. I think we're going to see more of that. And it's not surprising again. Um, You know, and I might mention that the people who come out for some of these workshops, it doesn't mean that they've had previous horse interactions before. They may have not been, Mm -hmm. you know, horsey, but there's still something just being in the presence. And so this loops back to the conversation that you broke brought forward about the Institute of Heart Math, which I've also spent a lot of time studying and working in that research. And the Heart Math um, Institute, it's basically really focused on our autonomic nervous system and any changes in the autonomic nervous system that affect what's called our heart rate variability or the HRV. And so that's getting a little sciencey since you talked about that. That's (laughs) actually the beat to beat changes, um, in our hearts. So a lot of people like me, for example, I always thought your heart was like a metronome that it just kind of 60 beats per minute. And it's mm-hmm. always like clicking, but actually we need to have the capacity to flex. When we take an inhale breath, it speeds up. When we exhale, it slows down. And that's one of the reasons why breath work is so effective to help bring us into present awareness. And it helps with riders, you know, dealing with anxiety and helping to be able to create more. um, People will say it's like turning the volume down on a really um, heightened situation. It helps us open up our senses and increases our perception. And so the Institute from HeartMath has been able to show, you know, the heart is not only classified um, as a part of the uh, cardiovascular system, but it also emits, you know, an electromagnetic frequency that can be measured. And ours is, you know, in the range, if you spread your arms out, that's kind of our bubble, but a horse's field is much bigger. Of course, a lot of horsemen will talk about this, right? We can be in their, in their field, um, and be in relationship with them much farther away. It doesn't just start when we're holding the lead rope or when we're on their backs. Yes. And so there's something about being in that relationship, in that field environment, that um, when, specifically when we activate like a renewing feeling, such as appreciation or care, that that can shift our heart rhythms. Mm. And most people, when they come in the presence of a horse, they start to feel really in awe or appreciating the beauty. And that is enough to create a physiological reaction in us. And so that there's a lot of evidence that I get really excited about because it basically proves that, Hey, horses are good for the soul. See, told you. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's great. That's great. I love, I love that whole exploration. I think this is going to be a really fun time. The next 50 years are going to be incredible for horses, I think, too. Pretty soon they'll be teaching us. How do people learn from you, Kansas? Do they, do you put on clinics? Do you um, hold, do you do personal coaching? I, yeah. So um, you had mentioned like things have shifted in the live entertainment world, um, but it's allowed me to, for the first time, kind of be um, a free agent. Good, <laughs> and so good. I do give give clinics both in uh, in the States and, and all over. Like I said, I was in Australia and New Zealand last year. Um, and then I live in Canada, actually, on the East Coast. And so people can contact me um, either through like circuscowgirl.com, which is one, one yeah. way. I don't really do social media. I haven't had a social media presence, and I know it's really useful in um, the equine industry and building a business and all that, but that hasn't been my main way of outreach. It's really person to person, and mm. I kind of follow the energy if something is really meaningful to me, like the Connected Horse. I gave a clinic for them and, and donated, you know, all those proceeds to oh, their programs. Nice. Um, yeah. I'm doing something this weekend for the Compton Cowboys. Oh, here okay. in Los Angeles. Yeah, they're wonderful. Um, Great. Yeah. And then there's a, a, a summit that'll be taking place at the beginning of November, um, mm-hmm. which is affiliated with um, another well-known podcast, the Journey On podcast, yeah, which with is with Warwick Schiller. Sure. Yeah. Good. And uh, so we'll all be speaking there. And I've started to do one-on-one coaching sessions as well, um, specifically teaching the techniques of heart math for emotional self-regulation because I see so many um, similarities between 
how we can be better for our horses as well as our human to human relationships. So it's not just for horse people. This really is something that I'm happy to kind of reach a wider audience, if you will, and help kids, you know, who are stressed out from tests or um, just inter, uh, you know, personal relationship um, conversations. There's some great tools and techniques that I've been able to implement subtly for the last 15 years. And I decided, Hey, I want to be able to offer this to others as well. So that's great. Kind of the new, the new offering since I'm, I still do um, perform and uh, obviously the roping is something that will never go away and love mm-hmm. Roman writing and, and trick writing. But I also um, just feel like this is allowing me to kind of widen the, mm-hmm. um, the, the field of possibility, you know, yeah. and like I said, open it up even beyond the horse community and the horse world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still feel like horses are in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I'm glad you're stretching your wings a little bit too. And um, we're going to have fun seeing what all you do and watching your kids come up that way too. So really nice having you on the show. And um, we'll have this in the show notes any way that you want us to get a, a hold of you, either through me or um, if you want to, you know, have other points of contact, we can put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you right. so much. I really appreciate you having me on. It's amazing. Kansas, Car- Kansas Carating, you're amazing. Thank you for being on Horsemanship <laughs> Radio. Some people don't think horses and people communicate. We call those people not horse people. Not horse people don't know you and your horse share a unique bond or that your horse knows you know they like your dogs, but not so much the barking. At Sentinel Horse Nutrition, we don't knock not horse people. We're too busy focusing on horse people's horses. With extruded nugget feeds for exceptional nutrition and formulas for every need, our wide choice of feeds makes it easy to find the fit for your horse's health. Find theirs at FeedSentinel.com. Dr. Sarah Roos serves as equine technical manager with Boeinger Ingelheim Animal Health. She is active in organized veterinary medicine, currently serving as the chair for the AAEP Horse Owner Education Committee and co-chair of the AAEP Internship Subcommittee. She previously served on the AAEP Board of Directors and the Veterinary Leadership Institute. In her free time, Dr. Roos enjoys riding her Holsteiner, Jilly. Well, welcome back. I can say that to Dr. Sarah Roos. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I'm so honored to have you on, and you're just a wealth. Um, and so we wanted, We heard that there was this new mm, I don't know, research done on the barn atmosphere. And uh, I think everybody, you know, has discussions about what should be permeating the barn and depending on what time of day that happens. But um, I'm fascinated by this auditory therapy, let's call it maybe, or something. And I want to hear more about the angle. I just heard about relaxed tracks and I was dying to know more. Yes, it is fascinating stuff. I I will not disagree with you. Uh, and, And much like, you know, you might fight over the the car radio control, you know, depending on who you're driving with. You <laughs> exactly. are correct in barns sometimes, you know, what what all is playing. We don't necessarily think about it. You know, we think about it more for kind of the, the human enjoyment for the right. person who is in the barn. Right. Um, but there is a fair amount of work, research work that is out there on the effects of different type of music on horses, um, which, you know, it's kind of one of those things like when you first hear it, you're like, huh, that's kind of crazy. But if you think about it, you know, anyone, again, who has watched a horse do, you know, a musical freestyle or, um, you know, have have watched horses in action, you know, they do have rhythms. They do kind of set themselves to various tempos, especially things like, uh, you know, musical freestyles and whatnot to to where it shouldn't surprise us, I guess, to some extent that that music really does influence them. I agree with you. Yeah. So oh, that's cool that there's been studies on all of that, too, because I was just thinking about, oh, I guess, heart rates and adrenaline or cortisol levels or whatever. So we're not just talking about the stall. You're actually you took this research or somebody did um, out into the whole uh, gamosphere of music. That's cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's a bunch of different studies out there. Sometimes looking, yeah, within barns or other areas, kind of looking at quote unquote normal horses, horses under stress, um, a variety of different measurables. So whether that is heart rate, whether that's cortisol level, um, some of them are even just, you know, watching essentially recorded video loops of horses and stalls Mm -hmm. for kind of rest Mm -hmm. behavior versus, you know, stress type behaviors, whether that's, you know, pacing or those sorts of things um, have all been looked at in, in a variety of different ways and with different 
I, I can't even just say music, but different things on the radio. Because mm-hmm. uh, there was actually a, a study that came out of Australia that, in looking at risk factors specifically for gastric ulcers, found that talk radio playing in the barn huh. was, was a risk factor for gastric ulcers. You know, I would argue oh, no. that, that, that might be true in people as well. I don't know. Uh, but in horses, it, it appeared to actually be a risk. Oh it's dear! Anything that's playing. Yeah. So, so was the science done? I'm just curious. Was the science done to figure out something that will create uh, a relaxed uh, environment in the stall, or was it more yeah. about the science? Like, would you take music out into the arena, and that would? How, was the science done on that as well? So, again, kind of several different things that are out there. The the science specifically surrounding relaxed tracks. Uh, was done um, by Janet Marlowe, who is a, a composer that we worked with on this particular soundtrack. That the research to to substantiate kind of what tempos and what decibel levels and what essentially instruments horses like to listen to uh, was actually done on horses in stalls, um, okay. and so that was actually done on some um, race horses uh, during oh, during stall rest, mm-hmm. and specifically again kind of showed again certain. Uh, predominantly tempos and, and uh, frequencies uh, did result in more restful behavior for horses, decreased cortisol levels, decreased heart rate variability. Um, so those were all of the things that kind of informed then how we put together, or I should say really how Janet put together uh, this 10-minute relaxed track soundtrack. Ah, oh, so it's 10 minutes. It's a loop that just plays over Correct. and over? Yep, huh. so it's 10 minutes. And yep, you can just uh, re. re- Rewind and redo. And it is one of the things, you know, we, we get the question a lot, like, don't horses get bored of it? And uh-huh. <laughs> people maybe get bored of it. Horses don't really seem to yeah. notice well, that, or say that it's a 10-minute yeah. loop. I've actually listened to it. Oh, you have? And did you yes. feel relaxed? I Yes. It has it has a soothing effect on your mentality. Really? But be, being a person who works with sound files, I made one that was an hour long. Perfect. And... That's what you mean when you say you're going to make a loop of it. The the yep. actual sound file is quite short, but you just keep you telling it. Yep. You tell you either yeah. tell it to repeat on whatever device you're listening on, or okay. what I did yep. is I just made a big long one in my software. And do that you way use I'm it in the repeat. barn? I use it in my headphones. Okay, um, so it's for I don't you. Have a, for me, I it's use it for, for me. I don't have a way to play it in my barn because I don't have a speaker in the barn. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm gonna have to figure that out now. I'm gonna have to get, steal one of Glenn's bo- yeah. Bluetooth speakers and put it in the I barn. I was gonna say anymore. There's you know all sorts of little Bluetooth speakers. Yeah. Exactly. And we have about a half a dozen of them because they're real common giveaways at the uh-huh. at the the symposiums he goes to. They're always exactly. in the grab bag. So I'm gonna steal one of his and put it yeah, in the barn so fun. I can play it for the horses. But I recommend anybody who is curious about it. It's mm-hmm. available online all over the place. <laughs> right. So, oh, yeah. And- if you just put in Bowringer Angleheim Relax Tracks, you'll uh-huh. get about a thousand different hits. Fun. And, uh, down- okay. and download it to your favorite whatever player and uh, try, out for- try it out for you. And yeah. one of the things I used it for initially, and this is what not what it was intended for, but this mm-hmm. is what I used it for initially. I tended to be a very tense rider because I'm an intense person. I want to get things done. You know, I'm not got mm-hmm. that type A thing going. So when I ride my horse and I'm feeling that and I, I can't let it go, I'm, oh, I'm all wound up and I got to get things done right now. I can play that and it can help me to remove that part of my brain waves mm. so that when I'm riding my horse, I'm not transferring that type A crap to him. And that's, so that's I would good. love for, yeah, if you can get a Bluetooth, but he also can listen See, to See, I want to get him his very own headphones. I think he'd look so cute in them. <laughs> you, you both on the trail. That's what, <laughs> you know, ever, all the horses, all show horses all wear earplugs nowadays, right? They all have these little puffy things. We have had we need that to put, question. Yeah. We need to can put them inside like, the earplug thing. Yeah. yeah. Don't they have them? Do they have them, Sarah? Uh, I don't know that they have any that actually like play music through them. There are. Okay. So they're just plugs. plugs. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody's got earpuffs. Yeah, I yeah. think we need to put little tiny earplugs, little tiny speakers in them. Okay. Yep. We, of course, then when your horse tosses his head and they come flying out as all mm. earplugs, everybody will hear what he's listening to. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be show rules now. No, you can't use the relaxed tracks in your class. So. <laughs> yeah, they'll somehow be testing horses before they go in the ring. So well, that's really that's really cool that you did bonus. this research and then just put it out there to the universe for people 
to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And that's our gift to the equine world. Yeah. That's and who, who doesn't need a little extra relaxation? See, you're the right person to be on the AAEP Horse Owner Education Committee because right. look at you guys go. <laughs> That's right. Well, it is again. I would encourage you to to play at your barn. You know, I play it at my barn uh, for for my horse. I've had you know some oh. of my friends at the barn play it for theirs. Even just you know things like you know horses that maybe don't love standing in the cross ties or are a little bit nervous for the ferry or mm-hmm. um, or there's just you know other stuff going on that kind of has them a little bit rattled. Um, it really does actually calm them down, and you'll see them yawn and kind of lick their lips oh. and their eyes get a little bit droopy. Um, so I think it is kind of fun to play and actually watch individual horse responses to it. Um, and that cool. kind of is our goal for it really is, like I said, especially things that we know are stressful. So again, whether that's barrier, vet work, body mm-hmm. clipping day, you know, whatever it might <laughs> yeah. be that, that might be a stressor to your horse. If this is something that, you know, can kind of help them get through that. Um, we know people who, again, are figuring out speaker systems to play it in their trailers uh, for their horses, oh, you know, yeah. while they're that's actually brilliant. hauling. That's um, and some of it is, creating kind of that sound bubble around that horse to block out other sound as well. So, sure. A, you know, again, the, the tempo and the decibel and all that is is soothing to the horse, but they do really seem to kind of hone in on what's directly around them. And again, I think we all know that, right? Like we talk to our horses yeah. when we can tell that yeah. they're getting kind of riled up about something in the distance, you know, you talk to them and you soothe them and they start to listen to you. Yeah. It's kind of the same with this music where again, if there's, you know, whatever in the distance, uh, that seems to be kind of starting to stress them out. Fireworks, thunder, whatever it might Gosh, be. Yeah. You play this, they kind of hone in on it, and it kind of fills their fills their little brain with happy sounds instead. Do of you use it in your clinic? There, yeah. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. Do you use it in the clinic? Yeah, you certainly can. And, and again, yeah, we have that. The, no, I mean, have you? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And chili. I know that's your your gal. Chili loves it. I love that everyone knows my horse's name because I'm way too obsessed with him. No, I'm just yeah. thinking about Chili. Chili must have been like one of the guinea pigs. He, in fact, has been the guinea pig. He, it also helps that he's very photogenic. So yeah, him in lots of things. Um, just love but, it or anything. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, no. And, and actually, like for him, I play it. You know, he he lives up to his name. He's a pretty chill horse. Um, but things oh, like you know, good. rightfully, he doesn't necessarily love having his mane pulled before horse show. So great, we play the music while we have to do things like that. Um, and he does seem to kind of relax him. That's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Well, you could be chilly like hot chilly, but chill, I like that. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> on our <laughs> jumper days, he's chilly pepper on our oh, oh, days. I see. <laughs> Different <laughs> levels of spice for chilly. Exactly. That's right. But I like that he's just chill. Take the E off. He's just chill. Yeah. We so, go. yeah. <laughs> well, really fun. I think it's a fun idea. I love that you put science behind it because we're all geeky here anyway and love our, yeah. our science background. And I love that you come and share with us, Sarah, too, about that and your horse. And yeah. Well, I want you to all go play it and tell us what your exactly. horse is. We're going to put it out to the Horsemanship Radio listener universe now, too. Perfect. And people will have to tell us how it's working for them. Thanks. Yes. Well, I look forward to hearing how how relaxed all horses everywhere are. Well, now, of course, this begs the question, what does the relaxed tracks sound like? <laughs> well, sit back and enjoy a few seconds of it. So here you go. What do you think? Do you feel relaxed? Oh, <laughs> I fell asleep. <laughs> we we chatted about this a little while ago when it first came out. Of course, there were there were um, press releases everywhere about it. So we chatted about it a little bit on one of the shows. I don't remember which one. So, of course, I had to go and listen to it, and I downloaded it, and I have it on my computer. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's not just relaxing for horses. I found it very relaxing. I think it's mammalian, maybe. Maybe. Know. It would be interesting no, to do right. tests to see if if reptiles find the same thing. <laughs> How do you know if a reptile's relaxed? There you go. <laughs> interesting. And you know what I found interesting when I listened to it the first time? I expected it to not feel like music to my human ear. I just thought it would be ah. tones and just sounds that the ah, animal found relaxing. But it's it's very 
musical music. Yeah, I yeah. had read how they developed or how they wanted to develop and then what they did, and it was very much a musical score. Yes. But I didn't know, if, like you, I thought, well, maybe it would have like beeps and bops and stuff in places where I wouldn't yeah. expect it or something. I don't know, something a little, you know, different than just soft music. But you know, anything to stop the oom pa music that's happening at the barn right now, <laughs> I'm all for it. We will also put a link to the sound file in the show notes. It is on YouTube. It's a sound file, but it's on YouTube. And if you just type in relax tracks, relax, spelled the normal way, and T-R-A-X, it's there. You can download it. It's free, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if nothing else, go listen to it and see if you find it to sort of be calming in a very pleasant kind of way. Definitely. Uh, and now I, I want to get earbuds for Nigel. Yes. <laughs> Does that work? Good. Let's do it. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than the magic in the language of Dear Monty, how can I find the patience to repeat training exercises again and again with the horses? And how do I recognize progress? Monty's answer. A strong belief in my concepts gives me the patience to repeat procedures again and again. I know that they will ultimately be successful, and once you come to that conclusion, it will be much easier for you to express the patience required in this effort. The loss of patience, particularly in nonviolent training, is counterproductive. I have had a lifetime to discover that losing one's patience will eventually be viewed as a mistake. It is my opinion that we should practice the art of observing our mistakes, allowing us to learn from them. It is my strong recommendation to every horse person that they learn the language equus. Once we know the instinctual pattern of the horse's brain and the way horses communicate, we are far less likely to experience a loss of patience. The dictionary of the language equus can be found in my textbook, From My Hands to Yours. A profound statement made to me in this context was, A good loser is a consistent one. We must not be good losers. This does not mean that we fall on the ground, pounding our fists, acting in an immature fashion. We must, however, feel the hurt of losing in order to be motivated to change our tactics. We should replay mental videos of the procedure in question. When we view ourselves losing patience, we should carefully note the outcome. I have found that over the decades that any time I lost my patience, my rerun of the mental video would show that my horse and I took a step backwards. Horses are forgiving individuals, and if we are quick enough to rectify our mistakes, they will soon be back on a positive track. Recognizing progress is certainly an art form, and I have to assume that each of us has some idea of what we want from our horses and thus can recognize the positive track. Learning the language and understanding the nature of the horse will fortify your confidence. These bits of knowledge will support your resolve to stay the course, watching closely for improvement that you can appropriately reward. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. Now we're in August, so we have a mountain trail play day, the 5th of August, and then 7th through 19 is the introductory course of horsemanship, and that breaks into modules. So the 7th through the 9th is the introductory course of module 1, then 10 through 12 is module 2, that's the join-up course, 14 through 16 is module 3, the long lining, and then 17 through 19 we have the introductory course module 4, which is the preparation for the intro exams. Then see you in the fall.
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And if you couldn't remember all of that, you can find all of that and more at montyroberts.com. That's the official website. This podcast can also be found at montyroberts.com. It's your one-stop shop for everything Monty Roberts. You really don't need to go anywhere else. But if you have the need or the desire to hang about on social media, Monty Roberts has a Facebook page, Monty Roberts, the one with a little blue check mark. And on Twitter, it's Monty underscore Roberts. And guess what? On Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. Roberts. There's a theme. <laughs> There's okay. a theme going there. It's all the same. Yeah, but it, you know what? We do a little different. So, you know, those that love Instagram like me think pretty pictures. So, and many thanks to our sponsors too that make this program possible. And that is handsongloves.com. We also have Kent Feeds. Happy to have them aboard. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.